new life, right? So uh, even as the last couple of Sundays, uh, Kathy has been talking about uh, the difference between the soul, right? Yourself, your seat of your emotions, right? The way you think, the way you process things in your humanity, uh, and the spirit about how the spirit of the living God reveals the will of God and we get to walk in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And so I liken this to the prodigal son. And for those of you who may not have read the story in a while, um, the prodigal son, there was a family. uh, And this family uh, had a vineyard and had sheep and a farm and, and a business and so on. I think they were very wealthy, right? The the uh, the parents had two sons, right? An older son and a younger son. And this is found in Luke chapter 15, if you uh, want to read that tonight. But the story goes, uh, they were living their life. Uh, they were uh, building uh, their lives in the, in the land. And one of the older, one of the sons uh, went to the father and said, you know, dad, uh, I know that when you die, uh, I get to inherit my portion of everything that is assigned to me. And I, I'd like to have that now. And under, under law back then, that could be done. You could transfer what was going to be uh, you know, given to you through inheritance. Uh, you could transfer that early. And so the father says, okay. Uh, and the father gives him all of what was his. And it was an enormous amount and in terms of money and things. And so we see this son very much in the soul realm, very much wanting to do some things for himself and make a life for himself and, and depart from the house and the covering of the father and to go out into the land and to go out into distant places and to start sowing in so he could have his life, right? And so the story continues on that he did that, and he went to a pretty faraway land, and he started to develop the life that he wanted to live, out of the covering of the Father, out of the anointing, out of the places he was called to participate in, out of the guidance of, of an older, an, a father figure in his life, to help guide him and to nurture him into manhood, right? He was still very much a young person. But he decided to go into a faraway land, and he decided to uh, live a life that was partying and having fun and, you know, making friends. And, uh, of course, he had a lot of money, so not too much kept him from, uh, you know, when you've got money, sometimes you draw people, Right? Uh, you draw people because you're having parties. You draw people because you've got the nice things. You're you're playing with the nice toys. You're and on and on and on, right? And so he did this for a while. And after uh, the money was gone, uh, he really didn't have any means of supporting himself. He really didn't have any means of a business that he could continue to have income. And he found himself getting in a pretty desperate place. So pretty soon he starts 
uh, getting hungry and he's losing weight and he's losing, he doesn't have any places to sleep anymore. Maybe the place he was staying was, was an inn or a hotel or something like that. Well, if you don't have money, you know, you don't stay at those places. So I can imagine in present day's world, he's maybe sleeping under a bridge. He's sleeping maybe in a cave or he's sleeping out in the field or in the open. But he's out of money and he's out of a plan. And he doesn't have the resources of his father to continue to build or to continue to live the lifestyle that he wanted to live. And so as the word tells us, he did get a job. And he was feeding pigs and swine. And to, to the people in that day, that was not a, a good job in terms of an affluent, uh, good-paying, uh, socially you know, uh, uh, prevalent job. And so he's feeding pigs. And he says to himself, oh, if I could just eat some of these pods that I'm feeding to the pigs, you know, I would have something to eat. So this individual gets pretty desperate. And he gets thinking about, what have I done? He gets repenting to, uh, he gets, starts the process of repentance about, what have I done? I, I have squandered everything. I've, I've ruined my life. I've, I had things pretty well made. I, you know, I had a promise. I had a destiny. I had purpose. And now I'm in a such faraway place that I don't even know if my father would accept me. I don't even know if he would take me back. And he started thinking about his father's household and the way that it ran and the operations that were going on there and the things that uh, he was taught as a young man, a young child. And he starts thinking about his family and he starts thinking about uh, you know, what that used to be like. And he says to himself, you know, even if I was to return and to be a servant one of my father's hired servants, that's hundreds of times better than what I'm experiencing right now. At least they have food to eat on a daily basis. They have a bed. They have a covering over their head. They have purpose in life. And so he decides to start the journey back to his father's house. And on the way back, he says, I'm going to meet my father and repent and ask him to take me back and to make him one of his servants. And the whole heart of the father at that time is probably grieving because he'd lost a son. He, he, he gave his son everything that he asked for and he had hoped that he would do something, uh, something with that wealth and uh, that prosperity that was going to be something wonderful, right? Something glorious, something that he was going to carry on the name of the family in honor and respect. And the father is grieving because as far as he knows, his son is really dead. He's, he's nowhere around to be seen. He has no idea, hasn't heard from him. He didn't get any emails. He didn't get any text messages. He didn't get any Twitter. He didn't check Facebook out. He didn't get any phone call. right? It was in the day where the information traveled by mouth and traveled by people communicating with each other. There weren't things in those days that we have today. So his father was wondering, you know, where, where is my son? I've, I've lost him. And it says that the father was... It's such an awesome story because it's where we are right now. It's an awesome story because it says the father was continually looking out 
for his son, looking down the road, looking down the path, across the field, in any place that he might see his son a long way off. And it says he did see his son, and he went to him running. Now, I can only imagine the son thought to himself, I've ruined everything. I don't know if my dad will even talk to me or even let me in the house. I don't know if I can even be part of the family anymore. And he might say to me, son, you've made your decisions. Now go away. Right? But the father doesn't. The father runs to him, leaves his, leaves his house, leaves the place where he was and starts running to him. Catches up to his son and embraces him. And he says, Dad, I'm coming back because I've ruined everything. And if you would take me back, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. And if you would just take me back to be one of your servants. And before he got all of the words out, the father embraces him and falls on him and said, My son. And he calls for a great party, the fatted calf to be killed. And he calls for celebration. And he calls for a picking up because he says to us, he says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. And as we are making this transition ourselves into the realms of the Spirit, God is looking out for us and meeting us and, and rejoicing over us. Because each time we say to ourselves, that was an act, or I was operating out of my soul man. I was operating out of a selfish desire. I was operating out of my own understanding of what I thought needed to take place, and now I see. God, I'm turning. Forgive me. I am sorry. And God says, I I'm meeting you. I'm meeting you. You're my son. And so these are the days where the sons are returning to the destiny and to the kingdom to fulfill their destiny. And I'm not talking about the sons in some faraway place. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the bride of Christ. I'm talking about how God has assembled us together to be a family and to function as a family, to function as a, as a unit, to function as the picture that God has given us to function in. I'm talking about the prophecies that are over this land. I'm talking about why you have come to a place like Hartford. Out of all the places in the earth, God could have planted you. You, you were planted in a place called Hartford Village. Now, this is the four walls, but the four walls isn't the church. Remember? Remember the word? You are the church. You are the many-membered body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so some are like the wayward son. There is a returning. I feel that there is a voice right now speaking in the earth for the sons to come back to know the living God, to know and be led by His Spirit. And for those of us who are on the journey, the call is to know Him deeper, to spend more time with Him, to know and understand what He wants in, in terms of prophetic anointings and destiny uh, that He wants to uh, have happen on the earth. Jesus prayed, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. There isn't sickness in heaven. And so if there's sickness on the earth, then we have work to do. 
because he said, my bride will rise up in the authority and the grace and the power, right? And as we see this morning, as I continue, this will unfold for you. So we know that God is transitioned us into a place where we're being trained up and led and being, uh, we're being encouraged to live and walk by the Spirit. And so as we continue this morning, uh, let's return to the beginning of the story that I started out. Uh, we just went through Passover, right? Passover was a period of time, a great transition for the disciples and the people that were hoping that Jesus was going to restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel at that point. They had already had their own understanding of why they were disciples of Jesus, of why they were called, of what their part was. And they thought that it was to be uh, leading Israel in the governments of that time because they said, when are you going to restore this? You know, the prophecies have, have, have come. We, we, have, we know them in part. And the kingdom is going to be given back. Uh, and so when are you going to do this? Well, see, they didn't know. They were operating out of their own understanding, their own soul life, their own ideas of how the life of Jesus was going to play out. And so when Jesus went to the cross, uh, you know, they thought, everything I thought about what I'm here for has just been shattered. Every thought that I had of who I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be doing. And perhaps that's you. I know in my life in these last couple of years, uh, I've gone through a breaking and a shattering. And I've had to ask God, where does your will separate from what I think? And I, need, and I had to get back to the places of prophecy in His Word, in His heart, in His understanding to realize that some of the things I was pursuing and hoping for were of the soul life. Amen? But he didn't reject me. He hasn't rejected you. He hasn't told you that you've messed up one too many times. He is long-suffering. Amen? So Jesus goes on the cross. He experiences the cross. He dies. He's put in the tomb. And the disciples are left wondering just like that wayward son that was in a distant land, what in the world just happened? We were experiencing feeding thousands of people. We were experiencing fame. The fame spread beyond the borders of Israel, went all over the world. People were coming in multitudes. We were seeing miracles. He even spoke to the natural elements, the wind and the waves. He spoke to the the, uh, the elements, he walked on water, all these things. And now all of that has abruptly come to disaster because Jesus was put in the tomb. But Jesus tried to tell them, I'm going to reveal myself to you. He tried to tell his disciples, I'm going to show myself to you. And <clears throat> Jesus said... Uh, 
in John chapter 14, verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. He said, at that day you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me. And I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Jesus was speaking plainly, but they didn't understand. It's plain to us because we have the benefit of knowing how this story played out. But in your life, when Jesus or the word or prophecy or a dream or a vision has come to you and you know it's from God and you don't understand it, you don't know how it's going to play out, and you're suffering, and you're in pain, and your heart is just agonizing, you say, God, everything you're telling me is, seems contrary to what my, I see in the natural. Because we're in a period right now where the journey forward is not by the soul, man. It can't be discerned by natural soul man thinking. It's got to be discerned by the Spirit. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the other Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23, Jesus answered him and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You see, they were in the middle of a transition. Just as we are, we've experienced the changes here. It's here. We might not be able to understand it. We might not be able to see it fully. But there is a change. And we know it. And we bear witness to it in the Spirit. The the disciples were saying the same thing. How is it that you're going to live inside of us? How is it you're going to show yourself to us? How is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to them? How is that even possible? How do you do things like that? Well, see, he was speaking about the day of Pentecost. Just as the Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism with John in the Jordan, heaven declared heaven's approval and affirmation upon Jesus. This is my Son, whom I love. Follow Him. The Spirit descended upon Him, and then what? He was taken into the wilderness and tested for 40 days. We're there right now. We're in the middle of the 40 days between uh, Passover and Pentecost. It's 50 days, but during the 40 days, Jesus was revealing Himself. Jesus was making Himself known. That's why it's important that you hear each other's testimony, like Barbara shared before we started worship. That's why it's important that we encourage each other. I just had a God sighting. God just woke me up at midnight, right, and blessed my socks off for two hours and 15 minutes. And I obeyed. And here's what he said to me. And it's changing my life. Or you got 
something you didn't expect. I don't know, however Jesus wants to do it, but Jesus promised, I'll reveal myself. And in those 40 days, 40 days are often referred to uh, as days of visitation. But the number 40, if you just think about the number 40 in itself, it's entering a grace or a probation period, a trial or a period of testing. If you think about the meaning of the number of 40, and we see this even in Noah's Ark, right? Rain for 40 days and 40 nights upon the earth. Trials, testings. Do you believe I'm God? Do you believe that I'm leading you? Do you believe that my hand is upon your life? Do you believe that I am who I said I am? Do you believe the prophetic word that I've released into your, into your life? Right? Noah in the Ark. Everybody else, nobody to turn to. Nobody to look to for encouragement or guidance, right? Just Noah, his family, and the animals. Jesus, after he was uh, confirmed by the Father, after his baptism, he went into the desert for 40 days, fasted. Again, nobody to turn to, nobody to look to, just him and God. And the devil comes to him and tries to test him, to think, get him to think about something other than what the Spirit told him, what God told him, what the prophecies are over his life, what the Word is that's manifesting on the earth. The devil comes to him and tries to convince him something else. And the devil is coming to us in these days to try and get us to derail ourselves. He can't derail you. Only you can sabotage your own faith. Only you can shipwreck your own life. And the devil comes to try and convince you to do and live by the soul man. To try and live a suke life. To try and live out of your emotions. To try and live out of pity or, uh, or, or a, 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 a mentality of a victim. Or a mentality of a slave. Right? He's coming to you in these days, trying to get you to live by your soul life. Because we're in the middle of the 40 days after Passover. But Jesus said, I'll reveal myself. So the 40 days can be days of trial, but they're also days of visitation. Right? Rained on the earth 40 days. The spies went in to spy out the land for 40 days. Right? And so some of the spies came back and wanted to live out of their soul life. Some of them wanted to live out of their own understanding of what their eyes, their natural eyes, saw. But there were two individuals who knew that their God was speaking something prophetically into their life, was speaking something into their life that was extraordinary. And these two gave testimony to the rest of the people saying, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Unfortunately, they took a vote and they were outvoted, right? And they were denied going in. You have not been denied going in on this day. You're still being invited in to partake of the kingdom of God on earth. Because Daniel prophesied years and generations ago what our day would be like. It says the Ancient of Days was seated on the throne. 
And he made a judgment in favor in favor of the saints that they should possess the kingdom. Daniel looked into eternity and he saw our day. He saw the day that we would be walking in. And I believe that this period of time between Passover and Pentecost is divine. It's ordered by heaven. And so as you're walking your day this week, do what Barbara did two weeks ago to say, I'm looking for a God sighting today. I'm looking for you to bless me my socks off today. Those are the words she used. I want you to understand that we're in a prophetic time. We're in a season that God said, keep my feasts. I'll show up. I'll talk to you. I'll reveal the mysteries to you. I'll minister to you. I'll paint rainbows in the sky as a memorial of my covenant. Jesus answered and said to them, If anybody loves me and keeps my word, my Father and I will love him and we will come and make our home with him. You see, there is a, a transformation or a visitation or an indwelling. It's, in, it's not intended to stress you out. It's not intended to. It did the disciples and it has a tendency to us if we keep focused on the soul man. It stresses us out. Right, The disciples were stressed out. They were hidden in the upper room. They were wondering, what in the world did he mean? He told us to go back to Jerusalem and wait. He told us to wait. What? For what? He's dead. He's dead. No. Somebody comes in the room and says, I've seen him. I've seen Jesus. Thomas is there. No, you didn't. <coughs> no, you didn't. I'm not going to believe unless I see him for myself. And God loves us so much that even if you've said that, he'll show himself to you. Even if you've said, I'm not going to believe until I see with my own eyes and experience with my own life. That's where we are. That's why it's important for you to understand, like Barbara giving testimony, I just saw him. It was at midnight and I had to get up, but I saw him. I experienced him. He spoke to me. And I wrote this down. And Sean, you probably can't even read my handwriting because it's so terrible. But I can read it and I know what he said to me and I want to read it to you. Right? God sightings. And now I have told you before it comes. So when it does come to pass, you might believe. And I will no longer talk with you, but the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Hang on. You see, Jesus was ready to transfer His authority to the believers. Jesus knew that he was going to go away. He knew what was happening. And he's trying to make the believers understand what their new role is. He's trying to transfer what the Father gave him to transfer. He said, all things are mine. 
The Father has given me all things, and I give them to whomsoever I will. So we find ourselves in a time where Jesus wants to transfer his authority to the believers. Just as the Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism at the Jordan River with John, the disciples would experience an infilling in the same way. You see, there's no formula for the infilling. If there were a formula, the disciples would have had to go back to the Jordan River, find John, though he was dead, right? Or whoever John's ministry got passed to, and be baptized the same way Jesus was. That's the formula. That's man's ways of thinking. It didn't turn out that way. Instead, the same ministry that affirmed Jesus was going to be the same Holy Spirit that was coming upon the disciples. It's a gift of God who maintain a humble heart and are called and are walking in their destiny. That's where you come in. You're walking in something prophetic. You're walking in a destiny. You're walking in an anointing right now that's between Passover and Pentecost. You're walking, sure, you're being tried. Sure, it's hard. Sure, there's things that we're doing on a daily basis that rip our hearts out and cause us pain and anguish. Sure, there's that. But there's also the visitation of Jesus. And so as I finish up here this morning, Jesus ascended into heaven and says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, so we have the 40 days. And then Jesus tells them to go back and wait for 10 days. Go back and wait. So now Jesus was ascended to heaven. He showed himself to over 500 people after he was put in the tomb. He raises to heaven. He presents himself in the throne room of God, right? Presents himself in front of the hosts of heaven, says, I'm alive. And then he comes back down and he's ministering the kingdom of God to the disciples by he's revealing himself. So after the 40 days were ended, Jesus ascends to heaven. Some of the disciples see him go. And he says just before he goes, go back and wait for the promise that I promised you to come upon you. They're like, I have no idea what you mean. I'll do it, but I don't know what I'm waiting for. They hadn't experienced it before. It's okay if you don't understand what's going on in the natural Fill the gap by faith. Fill the gap by faith. And so as I close, Acts 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, suddenly, I love that, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen? That is That day of Pentecost is the end of May. So we'll, uh, the end of May, uh, ha- uh, we'll come back together. Realize you're walking these days out. They have purpose. We're not just Passover's done, and now we're looking to tabernacles and 
you know, I'm kind of getting through the summer and I'm going to kind of do my own thing, go on vacation. No, there are prophetic things going on. We have a wedding in the middle of all of this, right? We have a new family coming and experiencing a fresh new beginning. Do you think it's God calling the days to be as they are? Of course. He's talking about His bride. He's talking about His Spirit coming upon the people. He's talking about God's sightings. So I challenge you today, as you leave this place, be thinking about, God, how will you reveal yourself to me? I want a God sighting this week. I want a God sighting. And it's probably going to come in a way different than Barb's, different than Debbie's, different than Kyle's, because you're an individual. And God knows exactly how to bless you and meet you in a way that is palatable for you. Yes. So I'm done, Ben. You can close the tape. Yes. Yes.